water in hand. It's good to see everyone here tonight. Really enjoyed my meeting, uh, the meeting today, and uh, telling Brother Dolph and some others here this afternoon, I said, you know, I've enjoyed the meeting so much. I said, Part of my prayer is, Lord, just don't let me mess this up tonight. <laughs> and uh, so y'all be in prayer for me and uh, the things that we've had on my I told told Brother Randall also earlier today, I he made a comment, he, he asked people to speak on certain things, and uh, he asked me if I would speak on the roles and responsibilities of deacons, and I'm like, I thought about it, and I said, sure. <laughs> And maybe, maybe without realizing how ignorant I was of the of the real subject, you know, to to answer that way. And uh, but I fa- I have found this interesting for my part. I hope you do. Uh, if uh, if I tread on any toes, I know we've got some deacons and some uh, future deacons maybe here or whatever. So uh, if I tread on any toes, then I'll just say I'm sorry. But if I if I tread on it with the Word of God. And I hope you'll humbly consider the things that we uh, might bring before you. Uh, because part of what I think I learned in this myself was how little I knew. And uh, that's, that's a good thing, I think, uh, to be challenged in the Word of God to go look and see and make me realize I've got some teaching to do at home. So this won't be the last time any of this will be heard, at least from me. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, so plan to plan to take it and use it in other places. I know, and I'm I'm gonna make this comment on the front end to say, I think a lot of times what has happened with what's happened with our deacons is uh, the older deacons have passed things on to the uh, to the younger deacons. Some cases that's been outstanding. Some cases it's not been outstanding, and that's just the that's just the truth. Uh, there's been some examples set that were not good, and there's been some lack of teaching that should have been done by the pastor teachers because we're responsible for the congregation. We're responsible for teaching them what the Word of God says, not what we think, uh, but what the Word of God says about any particular subject that's in God's Word. And so, you know, I lay lay that back, you know, if if it looks like I'm doing this, you know, I'm, I'm stepping all over myself tonight and saying that. So, uh, with that said, I want to begin to take a look at this just a little bit, and uh, if you've got a copy, you can kind of follow along. I will probably hint at some of this, and if you if somebody has extra copies, you can pass around. If you don't, 25 copies is what I had, so that's that's it for tonight, <laughs> at least. Uh, so when I was looking at this and began to uh, look at it, uh, I realized that I'm going to have to define the word deacon. Uh, the word deacon is uh, is translated. It's a it's a English transliteration, if you will, of a Greek word. In other words, there was no English word that was a that you could study out history on and say this word became deacon in the, in English. There was a Greek word that they took, and because there was no word that corresponded to it, they translated an English version of diaconus or diakone. Uh, and became deacon in English. And, uh, and I'm like, well, okay, that's great. I can look up, as uh, Brother Gary's favorite, one of his uh, favorites, I can look at the Oxford English Dictionary, and it will tell you what the, what the definition of a deacon is. I wish, after listening to some of this day, I wish I'd have turned to the Webster's 1828 just to take another glance at something else. I really do. Uh, so y'all can write that down as notes for yourself, something maybe you want to go do. 
but it it's used as there's three tenses of this Greek word used in the in the scriptures, and then and two of them are nouns, one of them's a verb, and I'll get to some of this down here a little bit later. But overall, those three tenses of the Greek word are used 104 times in the New Testament scriptures. Okay, five times translated deacon. Five out of 104. So, so I've got to know what the other 101 are. <laughs> or obviously I'm not going to get it. Because when we look at roles and responsibilities in particular, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but uh, outside of some things that are stated in Acts chapter 6, you're going to find, you're going to find what the qualifications are for a deacon. You're going to find that in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, but you're not going to find what the roles and responsibilities are, right. okay? And if and if any of y'all know of any other place, we'll look at some stuff tonight. But that's what's there. So then I've got to know what. Well, if that's the case, then what does the word mean, right? So the Oxford English Dictionary defines the word as meaning servant, minister, attendant, uh, one who acts as an agent or a representative of a superior. When used as a noun, and when used as a verb, it means to serve, to furnish, to supply, to help, to prompt, or suggest. So this is a servant, helper, assistant role, okay? Yes. And uh, so then you got to know, well, though, then what, I, what am I serving, okay? And, and so you just keep asking, as you're going through this, if you're me, you just keep asking questions along the way. What does this mean? Uh, if you look at the uh, Thayer's English Lexicon uh, uh, or the Strong's Concordance, I took the three words, melded them into some, you know, because if I wrote all that out, y'all would go crazy trying to look at all that. So anyway, it's a servant, attendant, minister, one who by virtue of office cares for the poor. A waiter, somebody that waits on somebody, serves tables, a waiter. One who executes the commands of others, to relieve one's necessities, collection of alms, to provide, take care of, distribute the thing necessary to sustain life, to care for the poor and the sick, and to attend to anything that may serve another's interest. Wow. That's pretty... That's, pretty, uh, that's plenty. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you just did that, it would be plenty. And we'll get to this a little bit. So if I stumble ahead of myself, I'll just say that, and then we'll, we might, you might hear it more than once. Uh, if you go to Acts chapter 6 and look at why those men were appointed, right. doesn't say they were ordained. Y'all don't bone me later. They were appointed, and they were prayed for, and hands were laid on. Now, it looks like something going on, but people laid hands on people to pass on authority and to pass on recognition that this is a role that's been set aside, okay? Was it an ordination or not? I, well, I, I may not answer that question, okay? But it's a question we ought to be asking ourselves. Are we trying to... Put that person in a position that the Bible doesn't put them in. Okay? That's all I'm saying. 
104 times, five times is uh, deacon. It should be noted further that ministering, if you think of this word, I'll, I'll go back and get this. You'll find it interesting that the Greek tenses are found in there 104 times, five times is deacon. It is mainly translated as minister, ministered, ministered, ministering, serve, servant, ministry, administration. That's the main way these wor that word is translated into our Bible, okay, in, in the English. If we think, if we see in our minds, we've got ministry as being the pastor teacher. <laughs> right? Yep. That's not how it's, I mean, it's used that way. You know, there's a lot of ministries in the Bible. Right. Yeah, that's right. There's a ministry of preaching. There's a ministry of healing. There's, there's all kinds of gifts laid out in the scripture, I guess, and they do ministry. Okay, they're ministering to needs. Uh, the pastor teacher and, and the reason they appointed these men over into Acts chapter 6 is the apostles who were the pastor teachers of the day uh, in the early, 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 early church there. They were getting overloaded. They needed help. Right. Okay. And so just mark that down. That part of that role was established because the man, the pastor, teacher can't do it all. And too many churches look, a lot of churches look for them to do it all. All. <laughs> and, and they need, you know, Moses needed a couple of guys to hold his arms up one time so they could win the battle. Okay? It's not in there. Okay, that's for free. <clears throat> It should be noted that ministering to the needs of others is not just limited to deacons. It applies to all church members. Amen. We'll look at a, a portion of Scripture, but part of the reason, we looked at some of this this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 says that they were given, some were given apostles, some were given prophets, some were given pastor teachers, and some were given evangelists, and they were given for the purpose of perfecting the saints for ministry. They were to be ministering. We we again have we when people are uh, when people are baptized they join they they see the glory of the salvation that they have in Christ Jesus and they're baptized do they realize they're they're part of what they're doing now they're a member of the church and the church is to be ministering right right amen that's that's how we let that's one way we can let our light shine yes. in our community yes ministering to others. Okay. So, <clears throat> to show the importance of this, it's a highly exalted part of the Christian service, I believe, as I've looked at this thing. And just to follow on to that, Matthew, if you look at Matthew chapter 20, 25 through 28, Jesus said, He said, it's called, He called, unto them, called them unto Him and said, You know the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they are... And they that are great exercise authority upon them. His point being, among the Gentiles, a leadership position or a highly exalted position is one that carries authority over everybody and tells them what to do and where, where to go and what they need to be doing. He said, not so. It shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Mm -hmm. Wasn't talking about the preacher. Mm -hmm. 
And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered, meant to, ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Sacrifice, servitude, serving others. He came to minister to others. And, and that's the reason if we, if we uh, you know, for, for, us, for us preachers and preachers for the church, you know, to think what Christ did while he was here, that short three and a half years of his ministry, he didn't just spend all his time preaching. He was, he was healing. He was raising people from the dead. He was giving encouragement to people that needed encouragement. He was taught, He was going to little Gentile women, women alongside the, uh, of the well and giving them encouragement, letting them know they had a part of this too. Amen. I mean, there were all types of things that he was doing, so much so the Bible says if everything has been recorded that he'd done, said and done, the world couldn't contain it, right? So, so we, don't, we only get glimpses of things that he did. But I do know this, it did, did record that everywhere he went, people heard he was there and the crowds flocked out because everybody wanted to see him, hear him, and touch him. So that they could... They had heard so much about this man, they wanted, and finally there would be times where he'd have to go away. So he could just, you know, they hadn't even had time to eat that, that day. They'd been ministering so much and caring for people and doing things. They hadn't, and Jesus said, Jesus give me a few fishes and a few loaves and we'll. So he fed them too. That was part of his ministry, right? He couldn't, he couldn't bear to see them go away hungry. So he says, what do you got, guys? few fishes and a few loaves Lord that won't do <laughs> we, can't, we can't feed this you'll have to send them away he says you bring them to me yeah. and he blessed them and he break them 5,000 men besides women and children were fed and then he had 12 baskets fragments so all, so all 12 of them unbelieving apostles had a basket to tote out of there to see what he could do. <laughs> Man. What manner of man is this? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When he calmed the wind and the wave, they said, what manner of man is this? Yeah. And when we look at how he ministered to everybody that was in that region, everywhere he went, Ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Mm. Not talking about preachers. Mm -hmm. the, the pastor, teachers, evangelists were given to, so that the, the people might be perfected, matured. He wanted to see them grow up. He goes on and says, grow up into Christ, <laughs> which is your head. He wanted to see them grow up. And part of their growing up was learning how to minister. We've, we've flunked on a lot of that, haven't we? I mean, we have flunked to teach our newly baptized members there's a ministry here to do. Amen. Not only in ministry, you know, for us, ministry starts at home, too. Yes. Within our flocks. Anyway, Colossians, if you, if you continue in the faith, grounded, uh, grounded and settled, not be moved away from the hope of the gospel, which he have heard and which is was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I Paul am made a minister yeah. 
same word, same word, who is now who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my body in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So Paul had a ministry, and we'll look more at his ministry besides the preaching of God's word and establishing of churches. He saw other needs, and he, and he did it, okay? Yeah. Uh, so the same word is used in relation to Martha, meant serving and waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ. That same word doesn't mean she was a deaconess, okay? <laughs> but she had a ministry, and she ministered. To, to our Lord while he was there. It tells us that the angels ministered in Mark chapter 1, verse 13. After he was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights, they ministered to him. Same word. Okay? Same word that's under consideration. So my goal in this is not, is that we look through the New Testament, we find many times where the word ministry, minister, etc. is used, and there are many types of ministering that are being done and can be done. All right? We need to be ministering the preaching of God's Word, telling the gospel truth, the importance of the doctrine, uh, as was talked about this morning. Uh, we, need to be, we need to be ministering to make sure, we'll get to this, ministering to the pure religion and undefiled. is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, right? So... Our ministry's got, one of our ministries has got to be, our flock needs to be taken care of. Right. There, there shouldn't be an orphan or somebody that's fatherless for whatever reason in our congregations that's neglected. Right. Okay? They ought to be taken care of. Uh, I'll say the widows. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think about cases, uh, a case that in, in my home church, you know, a, a lady whose husband left years ago. She struggled and made it, never remarried. One, I think, brother, I think some of the discussion later on in the week, suicide. I've, I've, ha I've had, I've, I've preached the funerals of three, three people that committed suicide. One was my church member's son. One was my brother-in-law, my wife's brother. And Lord was my best friend from high school. I've been to his house. He's been to my house. We played high school football together, baseball together. And no, he, yeah. And I preached that. I preached exactly what needed to be preached, I think, at that funeral. There wasn't nothing committed anywhere. He's in the hands of God's grace, just like my brother-in-law and just like my church member's son. Uh, the wages of sin is death. And sometimes it comes in the form of cancer. Sometimes it comes as heart attacks. Sometimes it comes from a stupid moment when a person shoots himself. But it's all sin. I'll just write that one down. Yeah. Toss that in for free. Alright, so he tells us here the initial scripture reason for the for appointing deacons is listed in, in Acts chapter 6. Uh, 
there can be some discussion. I've I've engaged in some discussions. Are these real? Are these really men ordained? You know, Stephen and Philip are two examples there. Men that went on and preached and baptized and did good things. You know, so are these men really? You know, deacons? And I'm I'm just gonna say for now myself, yeah, I think they are. And uh, so, and I think this is the best example we got of of taking. Uh, of help the pastor, teacher, the apostles in this case, needing help, and what they did to remedy it, okay? We'll look at an Old Testament example as we, as we go through this. But he says, in the early portions of Acts chapter 6, the church was experiencing rapid growth, uh, and there arose murmuring or complaining among the Grecians. Kind of, you know, you know it's, it's interesting for me, I guess, you know, these other preachers, studying, reading, looking at Scripture for years, and then suddenly something... You know, something hits you. You say, well, I had never thought about that from that standpoint before. The Grecians, there was complaining, murmuring among the Grecians that their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations or the daily ministering of, as we'll see what that was, the daily ministrations. I thought, wow, Charles, why, why did you not ever see that before? The Grecians were complaining because the Jews were not taking care of their widows. That's right. <laughs> we talk about modern day just people accusing mm -hmm. folks of discriminating against somebody for this reason or that reason. Early church, first days, yeah. and the Grecian and the Grecian widows would say, Well, y'all ain't taking care of us like you are the Jewish widows. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that exactly. The implications there. That's right. Yeah. That that's right. part of what was going on. And you know, so so the uh, the apostles looked at, it, and since the Grecians were complaining, and not the Jews, there's at least the implication that they were being discriminated against, as well as the needs that they had as being just with us. Okay, and the apostles were finding themselves torn between the responsibility to teach and minister spiritual things, and their responsibilities to minister to the natural or temporal needs uh, that the congregation had. So, to ensure that all the needs of the congregation were being met without discrimination. And without, hindering, and without hindering them in the study of God's Word and prayer, uh, then they, they, set, they chose seven men and appointed them. The apostles appointed these men. And, uh, and we'll get to this uh, maybe, maybe right here. But anyway, they, they appointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom to be over this business. And uh, Brother Randall, when we were talking about this, he said, well, you've been around for a while, Brother Charles. I thought, yeah. I, I've seen some good examples, and I've seen, and, and I've made some mistakes, okay? So I can speak from mistakes as well. Uh, I'm afraid sometimes when we're looking at our, our men among our congregation, I, maybe, a, maybe this is me. If it doesn't fit you, toss it out, okay? But I'm not sure we're always looking at spiritual men. That's what that means. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Why? Because there's important work they need to be doing. And they need the Spirit of God. They don't need to just be good laborers around the, around the, around the building area. And, you know, okay, they're maybe good at visiting a time or two or doing something. They need to be spiritual, godly men. Full of wisdom that comes from God. Because they're going to be handling some things assisting that pastor teacher handling some things and they're going to need the leadership of God and the Holy Spirit in doing that. Amen. Okay? So, uh, ministering, I'm going to go ahead and mention this, ministering to, to the widows was an important part of the church, of the New Testament church, 
James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion undefiled before God is to visit the fathers and widows in their afflictions and to keep himself unspotted from the world. <laughs> so visiting them, taking care of their needs is an important part of being what we need to be as God's people uh, in, in the church. The apostles or leaders of the early church needed help to accomplish this work uh, that would allow them the, you know, they knew the spirit. They weren't called, but me and brother, uh, one of the brethren were talking earlier. You know, one of the specific qualifications of the ministry listed in 1 Timothy 3 is out to teach, right? right. It's not, for, not true for the, for the, for the deacons, but the, 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 those that are called to the ministry need to be out to teach. Well, they can't be teaching and studying to prepare to teach if they're busy trying to take care of all these other things that the flock needs. And they need them, whether they, whether they know they need them or not. <laughs> Sometimes we got people that... Uh, I, I'll give you this real quick. This is going to be weird, but this, this, this is a good Auburn example, Brother Hewlin. Uh, they've, got, they've got a... Uh, y'all, most of you, if you keep up with football a little bit, probably you know they, they fired their coach and they brought uh, Cadillac Williams in to be their their temporary head coach down there. Saw him run in Jasper about 20 years ago in a high school playoff game. That dude could move, okay? That's a whole other story. Uh, so they, caught, they got him, and he, he is a very enthusiastic, for the players type coach, okay? He's, he says it's about them. It's not about him. And as he's talking to the players, he said, you've got to make yourselves vulnerable. What do you mean, coach? He says, you've got to open up yourselves as to what you need because this bunch of coaches is here because they care for you and they want to improve you. <laughs> Sometimes our sometimes our members don't want to be vulnerable. That's right. That's right. They don't want to open up and say, "I need the leadership of this pastor teacher." Don't hey, don't bother them with that. They don't need to know about that. He made a good point. Yeah. Then boys need to be vulnerable if they're going to be able to develop them like they need to be to be football players. And we need to be vulnerable to the leadership of God and the Holy Spirit and the pastor teacher if we're going to be what we need to be as church members. we got to say, I don't know it all. You know what? And he probably don't know it all. In fact, I know he don't. <laughs> I know I don't. But you know what? I can learn from him and I can get better by listening to him. Right. Okay. Anyway. So we have an example. We have an Old Testament example, I, I think. Exodus chapter 18. The children of Israel have come out uh, from, uh, from Egypt. Uh, they've met up with uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, whom he had lived with for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, raising his sheep uh, and, t- and tending to his flocks, besides marrying his daughter. And uh, so... Uh, Jethro comes out and he observes the children of Israel. And Moses is from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Everybody's coming to him, lining up with their problems, right? Jethro, you know, we might look at him as just an old backwoods guy, you know, back over here that's been living and doing it. But he had some wisdom about him, okay? 
Jethro, Jethro looked at what was going on, the situation that was taking, taking place there. Make sure I don't get things out of line here. Uh, so, yeah. So, he looked at Moses and, and, and said uh, that it was not good. He said, and said this. He said the thing was not good that he would surely wear away. He said, you're going to wear yourself out, Moses, trying to do all of this. And so he counseled Moses that he should teach he should teach the ordinances and the law to the people as to how they must walk and work and what they work that they were to do, and that he should appoint rulers to judge over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. And by doing this, he counseled counseled Moses that he would be able to endure if he got him some help. Okay, uh, and so he says that they should bring the hard causes to Moses. But the smaller matters they could handle with the rulers. Uh. Then it goes on to say, and here the here here is the qualifications for how you pick rulers. Listen to this: able men out of all Israel. In other words, they weren't to discriminate against one tribe or another tribe. That was to be all the tribes involved. Men who feared God. Men of truth. Haters of covetousness. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know, if we get into this, if, the, if we're going to minister like we should to our widows and to our orphans and possibly to others, Brother Dolph was talking today about finances. Brother Gary and them in time past have talked about first fruits giving. A church cannot do the things that they should be doing if the finances are not there. Amen. Okay? So t the teaching of financial giving has got to be done. Amen. Or not only for support of the ministry and for upkeep of buildings, but so that they can minister. Right. To minister like I think the Scriptures are teaching us that we need to be ministering. You've got to have funds there, so therefore the people have not got to not be covetous. Right. They, can't, they can't be holding on to every little penny you know and one thing and at the same time maybe slipping a little in their pocket too or whatever. You can't be, you've got to have honest men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Right. That's what's there. Amen. The servers of the tables or deacons uh, were to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. The rulers were, I gave the examples of that. We see similar qualifications for the deacons laid out in 1 Timothy 3 and so forth. It wasn't that, that the apostles or leaders of the church were too good to do this work. I don't think that's the implication that was there. They didn't feel like they were too good to be serving tables. They couldn't do all of that. Right. The, the congregation had grown and you, they just needed helpers. They needed people that were willing to serve and to be a servant in that way. So... Uh, in fact, it says it, it was their priority for prayer and study and teaching of God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 4, you can look at that, that Paul admonished Timothy to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, yeah, to doctrine, and not to neglect the gift that was given to him. He had some responsibility to keep his gift stirred up and ready. Uh, and that means he had to study and to spend some time doing those types of things. So, uh, you know, Second Timothy chapter two: Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then First Timothy four again, but in verse twelve, Paul also told Timothy that he was to be an example to the believers in word, 
in conversation, in his life, mm -hmm. in charity, mm -hmm. in spirit, in faith, and purity. He wasn't just to study, to teach, and talk the Word of God. He used to be an exam in, in sample to the flock, said in other places. He was to set the example for him both in his charity, in his time, his faith, his purity. That's a good admonition. I'm not here to talk about pastor teachers, but in it, you know that it, it stumbles all across one another here. So the deacons were to be servants of both the church and the leaders of the church. Today, today that would be the pastor teacher, uh, the elders in our churches. In fact, here in Acts six, the church was looking bad because some of the flock was not being ministered to properly, and the complaints came to the leaders, the apostles of that day. And they realized that they could not properly take care of the temporal needs or the natural needs of the flock, serving tables, and properly attend to prayer and to study. You know, Dirty Harry once said, a man's got to know his limitations. Right. Right? <laughs> a guy's got to know his limitations. And pastor teachers, it's good for us to know what our limitations are. You can wear yourself down. Uh, I tell somebody it's, it's better to wear out than to rust out, but you know it's. Uh, but still, both ways end up locked up, not being able to work. Okay, and so uh, we we have to continue to to get people to help us. Help me. One of the greatest prayer. One of the greatest prayers in the Bible. Help me. Yeah. I, I need help. Preachers need help. And, and, and lo and behold, God fixed them a group of folks to do it to help. Yeah. Not, on, not only deacons, but then the rest of the flock. Yeah. Because the flock is to be ministering. So what are we doing today? So here we go. Like I said, if I don't if you throw rocks at me, I'll know. Yeah. So... Most of our churches today, the deacon, the deacon and therefore the office of deacon, that's the way it's used, by the way. I didn't do a very good job in putting this together. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, the five times deacons used one, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, uh, where he's writing to the bishops and the deacons that are at Philippi. Then we get over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and he talks, he addresses the deacons and the office of deacon and talking about the qualifications of these offices. So... I use that word. In most of our churches today, the deacon, and therefore the office of deacon, has become several things, but not what the scriptures appear to be teaching about ministering. And I want to say, I'm not saying that as a blanket statement, okay? In other words, I know enough about our churches to know it's a little different over here, it's a little different over there, and you've got some things that work good in some places, some that don't work good in other places. So understand I'm being a generalizer as I'm saying all of this. So uh, take my observations with a little bit of charity is what I'm trying to do. So he says, here's a range of observations that I've seen in various churches, okay? And part of that says that in some cases the deacons have taken on the role of running the church and having the pastor, and having the pastor teacher directed by them. Contrary to what it, what it, I'm just saying, y'all, y'all could probably name places. I could name places, and none of that's profitable. Uh, but it has happened. Right. Okay. The pastor teacher has the responsibility to lead the flock 
of God as a shepherd watching over his flock and not as being lords over God's heritage. Now, they've got a responsibility of how they do what they do. Okay? But they're over the flock. That includes the deacons. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. They're part of the flock. <laughs> so, so they're under the leadership of this man that's been given that responsibility which God has given to him, the flock that God's given to him. Uh, in some cases, they become glorified groundskeepers, painters, plumbers, electricians, uh, directing preaching arrangements at annual meetings, <laughs> guardians of the pulpit, and who are what is preached. <laughs> I, I'm taken by your laughter. Y'all are not disagreeing with me. I mean, I'm just... Okay. Treasurer and money collector... And then I make, if you look at what I've got written in parentheses, that we'll discuss this because this is both maybe proper and abused in some cases. Right. Okay? Exactly. Uh, I think as we look at what the role of this is, it's proper for them to be right in the middle along with the pastors right. of, of the money, resources that the church has to work with. Okay? But in some cases, it's come, <laughs> folks that think, this is mine. <laughs> that's right. Okay? And that's, that's wrong. Some, and, and I went on to add this, some have been good in times past. I've seen some deacon brethren over the years that were marvelous at visiting the sick. And they, I can go back to older men that I knew, they knew what was going on in the flock. They did. And they would let the pastor know, hey, you got somebody you need to visit over here. They've got a, pro- they've got a problem. They need you to come visit and check on. You begin to say, that's a helper. That's somebody that's out there actually helping them get the beat of what's going on because he can't be everywhere. Right. right. And and some of them won't talk to him that might talk to you. <laughs> right? That's true. Uh, what should we be doing? And I, you know, I want to add, you know, make sure I'll add, I'll add this last part uh, list items. But, you know, you might could add to this list, okay? I just kind of did a little short list of things that I've seen over the years. Uh but as we go further into this topic, we may have to, we may see that we have failed the New Testament church that, and the, the church that we should be through the failure of this office to have proper direction as to what they are supposed to be doing. We, we have done a bad job. I'm going to say me, at least. Has done, I've done a bad job of giving them proper direction and saying, here's really where, you're, where you need to fit into this picture Here's where I fit in. Here's where you fit in. Here's where we all fit in. You know, and having some idea of what that role is. That's, again, this failure falls back on the pastor-teacher in some cases. And in some cases, it's because of stubborn refusal to see what God's Word says and to change because of our traditions. That's, again, okay. What should we be doing? That's... Roles and responsibilities. That's what the brother wanted me to talk about. It says, with some, with the above definitions and scriptures in mind, the deacon, uh, establishing the deacon as a servant, ministering to the needs of others, particularly the fatherless and the widows and those in need, this type of ministering is required and should fall under the office of ministering. Hmm. Not talking about the office of the pastor teacher. I purposely called the deacon's office because Paul, Paul called it the office of deacon, okay? But if we take it off of our brains that this is an office 
of a person or a position and begin to think that this is, it is all that, but it's what is the purpose of that office? It becomes the office of servitude and ministry, okay? And for me, for me, the day that, that hit my head, I, I hope it was the Lord, it was like it flipped my world upside down as to what that meant, what this meant, to the, could mean to the church. Recognizing he's not out there on his own doing all of this. The, tr- the pastor and the deacons are working. <coughs> and they're seeing what the needs are. They might have needs within and they might have needs without <laughs> that they could be helping if they've got the funds to work with. <laughs> all, of that, all of that stuff rolls into it. So this type of ministering is required should fall under the office of ministering in our church churches. As a servant helping the pastor see the needs of the, flo- needs of the flock are met particularly for the poor and afflicted among the congregation. Now, this is where the Holy Ghost and wisdom comes into, comes into play, right? Because this gets back to some of Brother Doss' discussion today. You know, why are they poor and needy? Have they just sat down and not doing anything? Maybe part of what they need is somebody telling them, get a, get a, get a second job. <laughs> you know, maybe they've over, you know, maybe they've overspent. Maybe that's the kind of counsel they need in that kind of case. And maybe it's not always just money. But sometimes it can be that too. Right. So uh, it depends. <laughs> it depends. And you've got to have the Holy Ghost and wisdom to understand that. Yes. Right? And so that's the reason this role again is... Anyway, so John, 1 John chapter 3 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren... But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath ne- have need and showeth up the bowels of his compassion from, <coughs> from him, how dwelleth, from, from the, how, should, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't, don't let it just be talk. That's right. yeah, back, back when I was in the working world, we had people. We had a we had a name for people that were all talk and no work. Okay, they could talk. They could talk a good game, but they couldn't play it. Okay, they were Monday morning quarterbacks of first class. So, uh, <clears throat> next other types of next what other types of ministering were being done by the early churches? If if part of our deal is looking for the widows and the orphans and those that are in need within our congregation. What other types of ministering was being done by the early churches? Paul mentioned specifically that part of his ministry, besides preaching the word of God, was doing the work of an, and doing the work of an evangelist and establishing new churches was to minister to the saints at Jerusalem. Now we're getting into the, what did you call it, Brother Don? Saints collection? Now we're getting into the saints collection, okay? Uh, he, he saw a need in Jerusalem. The, the brethren at Jerusalem had been ostracized from society for... Uh, turning away from their Jewish teachings and following after Christ, they'd been. Uh, I've told other people. I have a I have a friend that uh, now lives down on the Florida Gulf Coast, but he's uh, he was he's Jewish, raised uh, up to forty till he was forty four years old. Uh, he came to see that Christ was really his Messiah and became a Messianic Jew. Okay, a Messiah believing Jew, and uh, he's got sisters that have not talked to him. Since that time. Yeah. He's dead to them. And so I, I give that as a modern day example. That's how these people in Jerusalem would have been treated. And worse, probably. Uh, they were cut out of the commerce. 
of their society. They were cut out of everything. Paul knew this, and as he was going around to Gentile churches in Macedonia, Asia Minor, that part of the world, and Corinth, he was telling them, he said, I need to minister to the saints. He wasn't going back to Jerusalem to preach necessarily. He was going to take them the world, the world's goods of other other churches, so that he could minister to their needs. That's plain. That's plainly taught Romans chapter fifteen. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it had pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor saints, or which are in Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors and debtor, their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is to minister unto them. In carnal things. He said the Gentiles have received the benefit of this Jewish Christ that has come along and taught them that they were sinners and needed a Savior and he was it. He said spiritual things have been spread unto them. He said, is it any reason they shouldn't give their carnal things back to the people of Jerusalem? So he was, he took collection. Now concerning the collection of saints, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay aside and store him as God hath prospered, but no, be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by letters, I will send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Again, as, as Brother Gary and, the, and them pointed out a number of years ago, this is not talking about giving, uh, in the, giving in the church for the pastor, teacher, and first fruits giving. This is talking about giving above and beyond that, almsgiving, if you will, for charity to go to the people that were in Jerusalem. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, For as touching the ministry and saints, it's superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you in Macedonia and Achaia uh, was ready to, a year ago, but your zeal hath provoked very many. And yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, uh, that as I said, said, you may be ready, lest happily they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. He sent word for them, if you're getting collections together to go with me, Jerusalem, you better have them when I get there because I've been right. telling the folks of Macedonia what a marvelous bunch of collectors y'all were. <laughs> okay? So don't let me get over there and it embarrass you and me. Okay? Uh, so... That's when he goes, he goes on further to says, but this, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth manly shall reap manly. <coughs> Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. This is talking about collecting for the saints at Jerusalem. That's okay? True. So, uh, Paul's day it was collecting for saints in Jerusalem. What is it in our day? I don't, you know, I'm not saying I have an answer to that. Every church needs to be looking. What do we That's need right. to be doing? Exactly. What do I need to be doing? You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of us maybe give give a little bit to go to the Philippines. Some go, some go send to Kenya or to Tanzania or other places. But you know, there's there's needs right here in your community. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And and how can we be the light of the world? For the glory of God, if we're withholding what God has blessed us with naturally. Amen. Okay? So, but leaving, leaving this part of our discussion, he said, uh, caring for the poor and needy. He said, caring for the poor and needy and charity work would also be a way of letting us let our light shine. Therefore, we're leaving this part of our discussion. Let me add, the deacons, i.e. the office of ministering in our churches, can accomplish this 
cannot accomplish this role unless proper giving is emphasized by the pastor so that funds are readily available. Therefore, the men need to have the right type of honesty and, and spirit and wisdom and so forth to handle these things, right? Yeah. So as we're looking at men to ordain, we need to be looking at that, that particular characteristic, I think, and their willingness to serve and to help others probably ought to be way up here where a lot of times I'm, I'm not sure it is. I'm just saying that's where it should be. This would include giving, giving that's above and beyond first fruits. We should, uh, for the support of the pastor and teacher in the church and so forth, we should little wonder that deacons have taken on or been given tasks other than the one God has appointed them to do because they haven't had the direction they needed to have for what they should be doing. That's one of my one of my conclusions. If you don't like that conclusion, you can toss it out with me later. So, uh, qual- so qualifications of the deacon. So now you you see what the scripture says about ministry and kind of where that's going. Now look at the look at the qualifications for the deacons of honest report. When you consider the level of responsibility that these men were to have as helpers and pastors, uh, seeing the financial care of the pastors and charity within and without the church. These men need to be exemplary character lest they be tempted or covetous. Okay? Honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. These were to be spiritual men with wisdom that comes from God and not carnally minded men. They were going to need wisdom to know whether there were widows indeed or not. Widows truly or not widows truly. Okay? Uh, Much wise spiritual minded men are needed for these roles and offices in our churches and much trouble has been caused by carnally minded deacons and preachers. Right. No question. Hmm. Other qualifications listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3, they need to be graved. Again, that means highly respected and esteemed because of character, not double tongued, not a person that'll say one thing to one person, another thing to another person. Oh. Uh, change, you know, straight down the line with, with, their, with their conversations. Not given to much wine. That doesn't mean that you can't take a sip of wine. It just—it simply means that a, a drunkard is not going to be very wisely respected in the community or in the church. Much less giving him the guard over helping handle the money, monetary things of the church. So, somebody that drinks to excess should be another restriction. Another restriction in that area. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Again, that comes back into play again. A person in the role of deacon again dealing with funds of charity. Cannot be a covetous person. The love of money is the root of all evil. Y'all can read. Y'all know all that. Uh, Holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. Understanding that God exists. Jesus is the Messiah. That he died for sins. Was resurrected for our justifications. And knowing that he's coming again. For the resurrection of the body of the saints. And change those who are alive and remain. And having a clear conscience. When it says a pure conscience. A clear conscience in these things. In other words you believe it. And you're a clear mind about it. Nothing, nothing's going to convict you or change you that that's the way it is. First, first be proved. They must be first proved. Uh, told people, I've told people at home before, y'all, you know, Derek's heard this story, you know. But anyway, I need to come up with some new stories. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, when when you go out when you go out today and drive and go, they go to car lot. And they, and they say, hey, why don't, you try, why don't you try this thing out? Take it for a test drive. They're wanting you to prove it. Will it act and respond like you think it will? Mm. 
Okay? They're also tempting you to buy it. <laughs> Leave me not into temptation, Lord. Don't let me test around. Uh, so, uh, they must first be proved. In other words, they should be doing the work without the title before they're ever even considered. And they ought to be doing it not because they're wanting another title. If they never get a title, they're doing it because they love the Lord and they see a need among the flock for helping the pastor and helping other people. Okay. Blameless, uh, not one who's, who is readily accused of wrongdoing. Uh, husbands of one wife, so forth, so the wives are to be grave, and I'm not going to go into all that. Get to my final comment. <clears throat> As a final comment on having an office over duties which are members of the, that all members of the church have the responsibility to fulfill. Okay? Well, why do you have an office for it? Because everybody's responsibility is nobody's responsibility. Right? When everybody's responsible for it, they're waiting for somebody else to do it. The deacons are to lead the charge. Right? They're to know. So, having someone specifically responsible for critical non-preaching ministry, because there's a lot... A lot of, like I tried to say in all this, too much to get into one, one time. But there's a lot of ministries that are involved. The, the, the pastor teacher has a preaching ministry, a spiritual ministry. The deacons should have a, uh, a, a, a temporal, a, a natural resources ministry that they're doing and also assisting in other ways, making sure things are done, need to be done. All right, so... When Jesus came to earth to be our example, he didn't just teach the people the word of God. He fed them, counseled them, healed them, and those that followed him because he, they followed him because he had compassion on them. Let us have compassion on those around us, also with wisdom that comes from God. Having an officer responsible for coordinating and seeing various ministries of the church are accomplished is a great assistance to the pastor and a great service to the name and reputation of the church. That's right. Every church will be different, and the types of outside ministries each of us should take on are be, are, and will be different according to our communities and according to our resources. May God help us not make excuses, but find ways to minister as He and the early church did. May God bless you. I hope you, I hope you enjoy some of that. If you want to go into the question and answer time, we can. Yes. While I get a drink of water. <laughs> yes, but drink your water first. That's all right. Go ahead. Uh, in in your researching for all this, I know you gave a great amount of thought to the OED and Webster's and all the other dictionaries for deacon. Uh, did you by any chance uh, look up or dig into the meaning of a point? You know, I, I did not, I, and I should. I don't, I'm interested. I don't have yeah. an answer to that. I'm just interested in what, what the difference between a point and ordain. It'd be interesting to see what words used uh, just to kind of help flesh, yeah. that, flesh that issue out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I can see that just, just having prayer with somebody and... You know, not just prayer, but I'm saying having prayer with people and, and laying hands on them, letting them know you're, you're authorized. We're the leaders of the church, and you're now authorized to go forward with this work. What a great blessing that would be. I mean, that's not unlike, that's not unlike Moses uh, uh, calling up uh, Joshua. Say, my man Joshua. 
He's fixing to take the lead, you know, and you call people up and say, my men here are fixing to take the lead on this and we're going to have prayer. Anyway. One other thing, one other point of all that. Um, at, at one point, a long, long time ago, the church I was a member of uh, needed some deacons and so you know, they chose me to put me up for, for the, the office of deacon. And I kindly, you know, the, the pastor at the conference meeting said, if you have anything you'd like to say, you know, say it. And I thank the church for uh, having that kind of trust in me that I said I don't feel called to this, you know, to this work. And uh, so the pastor just, you know, that was that was the end of that. that, that was he the tabled end. it. Yeah. But he just tabled it. He came up after the service was over and said, I want to come visit you this week. And so he did. You know, he came over and we had a brief meeting. And what he told me was, he said, you need to understand that the that the church calls men to be deacons. The Lord calls men to be preachers. Right. So you don't need to feel the call. <laughs> the church appoints you. That's right. That's, that's, you know, that's what you're chosen for. Is yeah, and you know, a lot of times we feel, un, you know, I, I think I, most of us preachers would probably say, you know, in the calling, even the calling from the Lord, we, we feel un, unworthy and unable, Okay. But God doesn't call the able; He enables the call. Yeah. You know, yeah. so Brother Darrell. So I have a Bible app. Good. I've got one too. I. I know, but it's got the answer. If you want me Good. To read sure. It. Go ahead. It's got the it's the Greek uh, strong number twenty five twenty five. The I can't pronounce the word. Capistay. Uh, <laughs> and it's got a clear definition and a strong definition. I'll read them both. It means this is for a point. To set, place, put, to set one over a thing in charge of it, to appoint one to administer an office, to set down as, as constitute, to declare, show, to be, to constitute, to render, make, cause to be, to conduct or bring to a certain place, to show or exhibit oneself, come forward as. All, all that was Thayer's definition. Yeah, Thayer's pretty long. Strong's definition is to place down permanently. That is, figuratively, to designate, constitute, convoy, appoint, be, conduct, make, ordain, or set. I would like, I would like to know if that, if that app tells you what other words are translated from that word. You can search on the Greek number and it'll give you all yeah. the other yes. words. Okay. Titus 1.5, let you behind increase you to ordain elders. Same word. Same word. Okay. So there, that may be your, there, there, there I would say is reasonably your answer. The same word is translated ordained in Titus. What does Webster say? Uh, too much. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brother Darrell. It, it uses the word ordained in the, in the connotation in Webster's 1828. Other comments, questions, rocks? Yes, sir. <laughs> when I was ordained as a deacon, I remember one question that I was asked. The elder said, you've got a member in your church that you know is well off financially, and he's not giving to the church. Would you be willing to go to him and tell him he's not fulfilling his duty? Hmm. And I said, 
pray that I would But I never have had to do that. Thank the Lord. Yeah, and you know, again, I think that gets into they get, the pastor teacher needs to be teaching proper giving and why. You know, you're giving, you just you're giving a portion back to the Lord that really belongs to Him to start with. No question. Uh, do you think a, a man should be appointed a deacon that cannot or is not capable of defending the doctrine? Based on the qualifications, I'd say that would be hard to justify. He's got to hold the faith in a pure conscience. I think he's got to be. A, he should be able. You know, he might not be called or out to teach, right. but when the time comes when he needs to tell somebody, well, what do you folks over there believe? Right. I don't know. <laughs> Wrong answer. Uh, do you think maybe that's that's the reason we're in the shape? As, as the government has stepped in to fulfill the role of uh, ministering to people <coughs> because the church has not? Uh, the, answer, the answer, I guess, was yes, yes, Brother Jesse. I, as I looked through this, what I began to see and became convicted of, and it's funny, and I'm not funny, you know, the way, I, the way you use the word funny sometimes, what, and I give it one of my references on there. I was telling Brother Derek, I guess, last night, you know, I, as I began to study for this, I had bought a couple of books back 10 years ago or whatever, you know, with the intention on doing more teaching about deacons and their roles and responsibilities and things. Written some, some books that were written by non-primitive Baptists. And so after I'd gotten the call, you know, I, I pulled those books out and began to look, look across them and everything. And I told Brother Derek, last night, honestly, the content of the two books was bad, okay? And, and I, I finally just tossed them over in the corner. And then I began to think, well, you know, what else, what else am I going to do? And, uh, and I've got uh, an anthology of Primitive Baptist teaching from Elder Harold Hunt. That's great. It's volume 5, I think it is. It's got some articles in there on deacons. And one of the, one of the articles is by Elder J.H. Oliphant. Mm-hmm. And it written in the late 1800s and he addresses exactly what we're talking about probably in better clarity than me talking about charity mm-hmm. that we that we need to be involved in charity so it's so this is not an ori- you know somewhat original idea but he when I read what he what he wrote it helped bolster me and what I was already seeing mm-hmm. that makes sense I'd been looking at the words and come to con- some conclusions and then when I read what he said, I thought, okay, I'm I'm not out on foreign ground. I'm replowing some old ground, right. yeah. and and which is sometimes what we do. The church, we're sine wave. Who's that with sine? You know, some sometimes we're 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 going all around the truth. Sometimes you know, but sometimes and every now and then we hit it right. And uh, so. I, I think I'm just replowing some ground that has been there in times past where they saw a need for the same type of thing. Um, I have a couple of uh, things that I learned from some good deacons that I'd like to share. Sure. And uh, so these are not scriptural things necessarily, but they're good practical, and I, I hope there's no harm in them. So one, um, 
my dad and I both served with the deacon at Flint, an older man. He had some probably unscriptural ideas, but he had a lot of good ideas and practical ideas too. But um, in the in the area of helping pastor and helping and knowing the congregation, he had this idea that if you had a discipline issue with a member, for instance, the example he used. The question was asked his ordination. The members not giving. He thought it was the responsibility of the deacon to address that first, to preserve the relationship between the person and the pastor. Because a lot of times when you address issues, personal lives, you offend. He says it's better for them to be offended at the deacon than the preacher because they need to hear the preacher. They don't necessarily have to hear me. And so I thought that was very wise and practical and made a lot of sense. Now, he wasn't removing the responsibility from the minister to right. preach and teach the right things, uh, but to deal personally, he, he felt a responsibility to deal personally with these issues first and, and try to, you know, if there was any offense, he would be the one that he'd be offended at to the pastor. Yeah. I thought that was very wise. Uh, along the lines of Brother Jesse's question, we the church that I serve, <clears throat> this was years ago, the man's dead now. Uh, they wanted to appoint a deacon. They wanted to ordain a man as a deacon. And he was as good a man as I've ever known. But he was not the kind of person that you'd have a conversation with about or that he would have a conversation with you about doctrines. If he did, he would just sit there and listen. He wouldn't talk. You know? And so my idea was he's not a very spiritually minded person. And when the church wanted to ordain him, I went to my father-in-law, who was one of a deacon. I said, you know, I love this brother. He's, he does everything you'd want a deacon to do. He's great with people. He's great with you know, checking on the church, checking on members. He served he ministered to others as much as anybody I've ever known. Yeah. And I said, but he's not, I don't seem as spiritually minded. I mean, I don't, he said, well, he lives his faith better than anybody I know. How could he not be spiritually minded? <laughs> and, and, you know, in our area, we ask questions about the articles of faith, even at a deacon's ordination. Right. He knew the articles of faith. He believed the articles of faith. So it wasn't that he... He didn't know, but he didn't. He was not verbal with it. He wasn't vocal with it. He didn't. He didn't strike up conversations about the scripture usually. But we ended up ordaining him. But I learned from another deacon that my measure of spirituality is not the only measure of spirituality. And that he was a very spiritually minded person. He lived it as good as anybody you'd ever know. And um, but he just didn't talk it as much as some. So he was he was the opposite of your Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, he was very effective at doing, but he didn't talk about it a lot. Yeah, and I was looking for someone that talked about it as my measure for spirituality. Yeah, that's a good good comment, brother Darrell. You know, let's. It depends. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you've got to make some judgments. And even in, in doing that, you've got to have some wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, and you're not going to, I don't think, very few things in the church, you know, you're going to actually take like a, 
a checklist and go tick, 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 tick. Oh yeah, I got all, you know. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't need to work like that. You know, that God God gives us some insight sometimes and we if we're leaning on Him, He gives us insight on what to do. So Quick illustration. My father's a deacon. We talk frequently. Um, he considers himself to be a sheepdog. Pastor has to be the pastor of the flock. He just considers himself a sheepdog. He's running around. He's trying to make things that he's aware of. Let the pastor know and handle what he can. That's just that's the illustration that, it, that he uses. It's helped help me. All right, brother Charles. Is there a is there a rule as to how many or what percentage of your membership will dictate you know deacons to church members? Is it just a case by case basis? You know, how do you gauge know. how many you should have? I don't know of any rule. You know, they if you if you look at the early church, I guess you take a take a line and say they had seven for over three thousand. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so base three one three one day five. I have another. Okay, yeah. Multiply after that. So one per thousand. That's one per. That's one per thousand. So most of our churches are probably not that. <laughs> one deacon for about forty forty five members. That's, uh, I'm on the plus side. Cumulate. <laughs> 